stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So Alberta, as you know, like other jurisdictions, has brought in uh, regulation, brought in legislation to to ban so-called ticket bots. This software that gets used to buy up tickets from Ticketmaster, for example, and then to resell those tickets at a profit on the resale market. Now, what's interesting about this approach is that the expectation is that Ticketmaster do what it can to, to prevent these bots from buying up these tickets. So we're kind of putting the emphasis on Ticketmaster to deal with the problem. But what if Ticketmaster is kind of part of the problem? Now, you may know, and it's no, it's no secret, I mean, Ticketmaster does have its own uh, authorized resale site. So it gives people an additional option if they're looking for tickets to an event and Ticketmaster gets a cut of the action. But does it give them an incentive to ensure that the tickets are moving from the the original sales side over to the uh, inflated resale side? So some undercover work by the Toronto Star and the CBC uh, has really cast a, a spotlight on Ticketmaster's practices and their embrace, it would seem, of those who are trying to buy tickets and flip them for a profit. Joining us to talk a bit more uh, about what they uncovered and what it tells us about Ticketmaster's practices. Very pleased to welcome to the program Robert Cribb, an investigative reporter with the Toronto Star, thestar.com. Uh, Rob has gone from 29-degree uh, weather in Toronto to snowfall warning in Banff, where he joins us today. Rob, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hey, good to talk to you. I appreciate this. Well, I guess and you were in Las Vegas recently, too. Um, how did this all come about, this this project, in the first place? We've been chipping away at this for about a year now. We've done a series of stories on mass scalpers. There's a guy in Quebec that we did a big profile on who's a major player internationally. Uh, we've been looking at StubHub. We've been looking at secret arrangements between professional sports teams like the Blue Jays and StubHub and the fact that the Blue Jays, for example, get a cut on on every ticket sold on resale on StubHub. So it's become a bit of a, a beat, a bit of a fascination for us. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a particularly mysterious industry, I think, for many of us. We all eventually have some contact with it when we try and get seats to a sporting event or a show that we like. And it, there's always intrigue about it, isn't there, when you try and get seats and they're, they're either sold out after two minutes or, you know, you go on resale and there's these widely variant prices between the box office and and the, the resale market. And it, it, it's become a bit of a fascination. And so we've just been uh, peeling away layer by layer. And one of the things that we found again and again is that nobody wants to talk in this industry. It's a particularly secretive industry. Um, the major corporations never grant us interviews. Um, the, the players like scalpers and ticket brokers often don't want to talk about it. And so we were hitting these walls again and again trying to figure out what's going on here. And when uh, no one agreed to talk to us, we decided to do the rare step that we uh, don't usually take. But in this case, we decided there was no other way to get at these answers other than to go undercover. And there happened to be this huge conference, international conference of scalpers in, in Vegas in July. So myself and a reporter from CBC went undercover posing as small-time scalpers from Toronto. Uh, who are interested in learning the tips and tricks of the game. 
and uh, it afforded us a, a unique opportunity to hang out with uh, scalpers and brokers and major corp companies behind this for three days and, and ask the kind of questions that we just could not get them to answer in interviews. So ostensibly then, you, you would be representing the kind of company that the Ticketmaster is expected to, to stop not to embrace. If there's a company that's planning on using technology to buy tickets in bulk, turn them around and sell them for a profit, that's the kind of thing that the Ticketmaster, at least according to laws in Alberta and elsewhere, is supposed to be guarding against. Yeah, exactly. And Ticketmaster, historically through the years, has been very outspoken about the secondary market and scalpers, uh, even even testifying before government uh, hearings in the UK and United States and 2007, 2009, they, 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 they spoke very strongly about this. They called for the criminalization of this market and this activity. They, uh, they said it shouldn't exist, that it undermines the fans, it undermines the industry and the artists. Uh, they've softened that position through time, um, but continue to speak out very vigorously against the use of bot and the mass harvesting of tickets by scalpers for, for the resale industry. So you're right. We would be exactly the type of small operators uh, hungry for, for harvesting tickets and reselling them that they would ostensibly want to shut down. And yet here we were standing at their big prestigious uh, booth. They had a large booth on the convention floor in Vegas uh, that was designed to do one thing and one thing only, which was to court scalpers to join with them in the use of this um, web-based software tool that they developed to help those who obtain large inventories of seats to manage those inventories and instantly sync them, their multiple accounts, um, to their online sales um, operation. So it, it really is a tool to help scalpers scalp. Yeah, well, explain that because, I mean, people may know that the Ticketmaster does have its own resale site. Uh, where where they can get a cut of the action, and I guess they would claim, you know, it's for us to compete against StubHub and the rest. But but Trade Desk is this tool that that basically, as you say, makes it very easy to sort of seamlessly go from one side to the other. Yeah, it's a it's a little known tool. You'll find nothing about it in the company's annual reports. Uh, you're not going to find anything about it on the company's website. It's tucked away in a very sort of separate identity. It's got its own offices in Chicago, the main, the main companies in California. So they've sort of hived off this separate sort of subsidiary that sell, that caters um, directly to the people that the head office uh, complains about all the time. So it's this curious bit of what some might call hypocrisy in which they're simultaneously railing against the um, harvesting of tickets and the use of multiple Ticketmaster accounts by scalpers in order to, to snap up hundreds or thousands of tickets away from fans while simultaneously showing up in Vegas to court those very people and sign them up uh, to, this, uh, to this software product, which allows them to, uh, which allows um, their clients to not harvest the ticket, but once they've harvested the tickets to then simply sell them. And the motivation here, right, you would think, well, so why do this? Why would they get into this game? And the answer is as simple as it almost always is, right, which is it's money. It's, uh, it's the benefits they gain through a second commission 
So, so Ticketmaster makes money on every seat you buy from the box office, the initial primary seat, as they call it. This is a way of uh, getting a piece of the incredibly burgeoning and lucrative resale market, So, such that when you uh, use their tool and, and resell it, they're, uh, they're getting a piece. Now, at one point during your undercover investigation, you, you, you guys basically came right out and said, uh, so if we're using this trade desk technology and there's some unusual activity in our purchasing pattern over using bots, what would happen then? And essentially, the answer seems to be we would look the other way. Is that fair to say? He says with no um, opaqueness um, to us on camera several times. We had several conversations. Um, with uh, Ticketmaster sales uh, representative, and in, in this case, it was a sales executive from um, their head office. Um, he said, we, we, ha- we do not look at that at all. We will not, uh, it does not flag to us. Uh, I asked him directly, what if, what if headquarters comes to you and says, we have concerns about a particular client, Joe Smith. They come to you and they say, there's, uh, there's some curious uh, patterns here with this guy, Joe Smith. He's a client of Trade Desk. He uses our software. What can you tell me about him and his, uh, his purchasing and where he gets his tickets? The, uh, the sales representative says very clearly it, it, it does not happen. We are completely separate. We do not track it. We do not share any of our information with head office. It is church and state. So what he's effectively saying there, um, with complete clarity, is that they will turn a blind eye. They know that their clients have dozens, if not hundreds, of Ticketmaster accounts. We asked that question very clearly. We said, how many, how many of your clients use multiple accounts in order to get um, past the ticket buying caps, right? So you know this. When you try and go and get tickets to the Elton John show, if you do, if you're successful, you get on and it will cap you. It's usually six tickets or maybe eight tickets. So he says, listen, we get it. You can't make a living on eight tickets. So all of our clients have multiple tickets. He said we have one client that has in the order of 200 different um, Ticketmaster.com accounts. So they're using each of those accounts to harvest uh, tickets separately to get past the caps that are in place that prevent, um, you know, prevent anyone from turning this into a business. Well, the story's out there now. It's getting a ton of reaction, Rob, but uh, what what is Ticketmaster saying publicly? So in the uh, months leading up to publication, and I do mean months, we um, spent a lot of time back and forth with the company asking them for a a sit-down interview. We shared with them everything that we had found, Uh, sent them a long list of questions, sought their... um, comment for the story. Ultimately, they declined to answer the questions. They gave us a a brief two-paragraph response, which we quoted in the story. So finally, yesterday, after after the story had run, uh, as as you say, it got picked up uh, globally, uh, they did issue a statement. And it it was a very interesting statement. They did not in any way challenge any of our reporting or our findings. They, in fact, said that they're going to launch an internal review into um, their ticket seller accounts and then employee practices to ensure that scalpers who use bots circumvent the the purchase limits aren't using their software. Um, 
and so it was kind of a mea culpa. Essentially, at the end of the day, they um, they distanced themselves from the comments of their employee, uh, who we uh, who we quoted and show, showed showed uh, didn't show his face, but we showed his uh, the encounter and, and his voice, and um, and said essentially that uh, they're they're going to look at it. Well, I guess we'll see what that means uh, in the weeks ahead. But I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on them as a result of this. Much more at thestar.com. Rob, thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Really appreciate this. Yeah, I'm grateful. Take care. Uh, There's Robert Cribb, investigative reporter with the Toronto Star, and uh, some really interesting work on this story. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.